Good morning. Good morning. Got a good looking group here today. We're excited about our clothing store, our giving of clothes away, and, and I thank all of the volunteers who came and participated yesterday and organized in all of those clothes. And I just want to thank the church for continuing to embody the mission of Jesus and what we have been doing here in feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who are naked, uh, visiting the elders and the aged, and helping children. I'm just, my heart warms every time I think about all of the hard work that happens week in and week out through this little church at Lindsley Avenue. So thank you for all of the hard work that you have been doing uh, this year. And uh, I want to begin with a word of prayer for the ministry here, for all of the upcoming events, uh, gratefulness for the partnership with Creve Hall and providing a lot of the clothing that we're going to be giving away today. And I also want to pray for Brother Art this morning. Uh, this week he's going to be having a scan, and so we want to continue to pray for him. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the good that this little congregation does every day, every week. And we just pray that we will continue to give and to help the least of these and to share the good news of your kingdom, of your goodness, of your grace, and of your forgiveness. Thank you for the hearts that are in this congregation. And I pray your richest blessing on each person and every family. And Lord, we're mindful of Brother Art. We're so grateful for his service, for all of his help, his vision, and, and helping this church, uh, for his teaching. And we just continue to pray for his health this week and every week. Bless his family. And we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So uh, this morning's lesson probably generated the greatest interest on social media that I've had uh, yet because of the title of the sermon. And I titled today's sermon, The Preacher and the Prostitute. And so as you might imagine, a lot of people paid attention on social media as to what exactly I'm going to be talking about this morning. It, it received a lot of likes and a lot of visits just by the title of the lesson. And so I'm not just trying to be a provocateur. Uh, there's actually a part of this story is about a preacher and a prostitute that we're going to explore in the book of Hosea, a real historical person. And so we're going to get to that. But before we get into Hosea, which is a minor prophet, I want us to begin by first of all thinking about marriage. Marriage. Now, for some of you who have been married or are married, I'm sure you have all kinds of different perspectives on marriage. And there's been a lot of people to give us a lot of great wisdom and insight into marriage. One person once said, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. You ever heard that? Or Homer, the great Grecian poet, said... There's nothing nobler or more admirable than when two people who see eye to eye keep a house as man and wife, confounding their enemies and delighting their friends. It's a beautiful saying, isn't it? 
Or what counts in making a happy marriage is not so much how compatible you are, but how you deal with incompatibility. We talk a lot about compatibility in marriage. We want a compatible spouse. But you're going to find, no matter how compatible you think you are, you're going to find some incompatibility, aren't you? Somewhere in that marriage. Or, I like this one. I try to live by this one. No man was ever shot by his wife while doing the dishes. So... If I sense any kind of anger, I'm at the, I'm at the dishwasher. That's a good one to, to live by. Or you can go to the great philosopher Socrates. He had some things to say about marriage too. By all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. And if you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> I, am, I am not a philosopher, I dare say. I'm, I'm a happy man. Or, there's some insight from Zsa Zsa Gabor. I just like saying her name. A man is incomplete until he marries. And after that, he's finished. Here's another one. My wife and I were happy for 20 years, then we met. That's Rodney Dangerfield. And I was very tempted to do the... Uh, to impersonate him, but I didn't. But I like what Nietzsche said. He said this, it's not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that make unhappy marriages. And how true that is. But then, of course, you have the words of Christ echoing the Torah, that that a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and whatsoever God hath brought together... Let no man put asunder. So marriage. Marriage is important. Marriage is a building block to the home, to the fabric of society. It's important what happens in the home. And that's what we get to in the book of Hosea. A man who is commanded to become married. And what's interesting, sometimes in the Old Testament and sometimes in the New Testament that the very life of the preacher, the prophet, the one who is commissioned to give the revelation of God. Because that's what happened to Hosea. It says in chapter 1, the Lord said unto Hosea that Hosea receives this revelation, but not only does he receive the word of God, but his very life becomes the message to the people of God. And of course, all of our lives as followers of Christ should be a message to those who are around us. But there's sometimes where there is a very unique way that God uses a prophet in revealing his will. Take, for instance, Abraham. Abraham was commanded to take his child of promise up on the mountain. And God said for him to kill his son. And Abraham went up on the mountain. And as he was beginning to kill his son, God held back his hand. But it prophetically looked forward at to what God would do for us. So Abraham's life was a prophetic message to what God would do for us. God spared not his only son. He spared Isaac, Abraham's son. But Abraham's very life became the message. 
There's an interesting one that happens with Isaiah in Isaiah 20. Isaiah was commanded to walk around naked for three years. And it says it will be as a sign to show what the king of Assyria would do to the Egyptians and the Ethiopians. Can you imagine getting that call? Lord, please don't turn me into an Isaiah. Because I guarantee it, if you walk around this country for three years naked, it won't be for very long. And probably not around this church for very long, right? But then you have Hosea. In the very first chapter, he says to Hosea, go and take a wife. That was the command of the Lord, to go and take a wife. Why would God reveal Himself in a marriage? I think one reason why is because God is a covenantal God. The way that God deals with humanity is through a covenant, through an agreement, through a promise. And what we see over and over again in Scripture is that God makes His promise to humanity. He does it with Adam in the very beginning. I'm going to give you the earth. You're to subdue it. You're going to have dominion over the earth. All of the earth is yours. He does it with Noah. After the flood, he makes an oath. He makes a covenant with Noah. And he gives that great rainbow in the sky. He gives a covenant to Abraham that through you, I will bless all nations. That through you, a great nation will be made. He makes a covenant, an agreement. He does it with David. And he does it with Christ. Hebrews says that when God made a promise to Abraham, he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So God deals with us in a covenantal way. But what the book of Hosea shows us is that God is not just a God of covenant. And that it's not just a legal thing. Can you imagine that? If marriage itself was just a legal contract. Of course it is. Of course you sign a paper when you get married. You sign a legal instrument to marry the person you marry. But is that all there is to marriage? Is a legal document? I can tell you there's a lot more to marriage, isn't there? There's a lot more to signing an instrument and so on. And you see, what God reveals to us in Hosea is that His love is beyond even that covenant. It's not just a matter of legality, which is one-dimensional. No, it's about His love to humanity. When we think about God's love, when we think about God, we begin to lose our footing. Because every time we swim the ocean of understanding who God is, guess what? When we reach the shore, we find another ocean. When we climb the mountain of understanding and we we begin to understand who God is, guess what? We look over the mountain and then there's another mountain. Because God's love and His person is so infinite, it's hard for us to understand. So God has given us ways to understand Him through His revelation. God's love is, number one, creative We ask the question of why. Why are we here? And the the answer is, God loves us. When you ask any child, why are they here? It's because their parents love them. 
It's because God is creative in his love. John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. His love is also moral. His love is moral. Where do we get our morality? What is the basis of our morality? Is it just a book of laws that we write? I hope not, because that can change tomorrow. What is the foundation of it? It's God's value that he places on humanity. For God so loved the world. Why is your neighbor important? Is, it because, is he important because you think so? No. Your neighbor is holy because God loves him. And that intrinsic worth, that innate worth, comes from the very love of God. When it says that God created man, it said he made us in his image. We are image bearers of God. Not only is His love creative, moral, it's redemptive. It says in Ephesians, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of His grace. He redeems us through His love. And also His love is eternal and unconditional. Jeremiah says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. So Hosea is commanded to go marry to show us God's love. But I want you to look at what God says in verse 2. He says, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. That is a tough assignment. Hosea, I want you to go find you a preacher's wife. I want you to go find you a preacher's wife. But your preacher's wife is going to be a little different than the other boy's preacher's wife. No, I want you to go and marry a harlot. I want you to get in a covenant with a harlot. Does this demonstrate something to us about God's love? Number one, it demonstrates, number one, that God's love is undeserved. And then sometimes this is hard for us to wrap our minds around because we want to be deserving. But God's love being unconditional, we want His love to be unconditional, right? I want His love to be unconditional because my love, my performance, my execution of doing what's wrong and right will falter. And His love is not grounded in us. It's not, it's not grounded in what I can offer God because God doesn't need anything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The love of God is rooted in Himself. C.S. Lewis, the great thinker of the 20th century, said he loved us Not because we were lovable, but because He is love. It's rooted in Himself. And God is unchanging. That's why in Hosea, He gives this announcement in chapter 2, 19. Listen, it's what we read in Scripture reading. I will betroth you to me forever. That's love, isn't it? Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness, justice, loving kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Wow. Undeserved. 
Now, can you imagine the conversations that Hosea's friends and family had to him when he married a harlot? And not only did he just marry a harlot, but she left him. And she chased after other lovers, it says in the book of Hosea. Can you imagine what his friends said? Hey, Hosea, I need to talk to you, buddy. What's going on? That's why it says in Romans chapter 5, but God has demonstrated His love toward us, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what we find in the people of Israel during this time, it says that they were killing, they were stealing, they were lying, and it says bloodshed after bloodshed. So they were, they were rejecting the very image of God that they found in other people. That human dignity didn't exist. When you begin to kill, lie, and steal, you're rejecting the image of God in other people. And they were rejecting the image of God in people, and that means they're rejecting who? God. That's why it says in Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. When we reject each other, we reject God. That's the basis of morality. It's not rooted in anything else other than God, or otherwise you don't have morality. You just have an opinion. And we all got one of those, don't we? Well, it's just your opinion that it's wrong to steal. It's just your opinion that it's wrong to slap someone. God's love is undisturbed, but undeserved. But it also shows us that God's love is necessary. It's necessary. He says in chapter 2-7 of Hosea, I will go and return to my first husband. This is his wife, Gomer. She's saying, I'm going to go back to my husband. For then it was better for me than now, for she did not know that I gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, and multiplied her silver and gold. People reject God all the time, don't they? And when they reject God, they're rejecting the one who is giving them life, who is giving the breath in their lungs, who is giving them all the talents. We like to take credit for stuff. Yeah, I'm smart. I'm, I'm handsome. I'm this. I'm that. Well, who gave it to you? God did So God's love is necessary. He is the source of that goodness that is in your life. It's necessary. But we also find that God's love seeks us. It's Easter time. Guess what, what, guess what kids are looking for? They're looking for eggs. You know what happened at my house the other day? We had a little mini Easter egg hunt at my house. So one time, Mama would hide the eggs. One time, Daddy would hide the eggs. And one time, Riverbell would hide the eggs. It was Riverbell's turn. She hides the eggs. She hid one real good. We go looking around in the car, and there was an egg in the exhaust pipe. <laughs> Took a minute to get that one out. <laughs> There's barely any room to pull that thing out. God's love is searching for all of us, seeking us. There's been times in my life on the playground 
To where all of a sudden my daughter goes beyond my sight, goes missing in my eyes. And what happens? This sense of panic and urgency falls on parents because i got to find her. And in that moment, I'm not, I'm not thinking about what she offers to me or what she gives to me. No, I'm just erratic, irrational trying to find my daughter. And that's God's love. Seeking every person. Listen to what it says in, in Hosea. Then the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and has committed adultery. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and have loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one half homers of barley. You have the preacher, the prophet going out and buying his wife from another man. That's the love of God. Seeking us, purchasing us, redeeming us from the grip of our own selfishness and destruction. That's love, isn't it? We find that God's love is forgiveness. And you talk about what this world needs more than anything is a sense of forgiveness. A sense of repentance. And he says in chapter 14, 4 of Israel, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. It's the love of God. It reminds me of that time in the ministry of Jesus when Christ is sitting with, for dinner with one of the religious elite. He's eating with the Pharisee. And those were the guys that had it all down. And then a sinful woman, we don't know what her sin was. Some have speculated. But a sinful woman comes into Christ and in this meal and during this meal interrupts the meal and begins to anoint the feet of Christ in tears and with the alabaster flask of ointment and the fragrance and breaks that flask and anoints his feet and washes his feet with tears. The Pharisee can barely stand to see this because he knows she's a sinful woman. He's like, well, if you're anything, Jesus, you wouldn't let that woman touch you. Jesus says, though her sins are many, she loves much. And he says, thy sins are forgiven thee. That's the love of God. Amen. And what you find in the center of God's love is Jesus. Christ is where the covenant of God and man is completed and perfected. Because in Christ's humanity, we see humanity's total submission and obedience to God. What I can't do, what you can't do, is done in Jesus' obedience. And what you find in Jesus' divinity is God's mercy and His justice and His love being fulfilled. That's the love of God. That's who Jesus is. And when God talks about His people, He says the church is the bride of Christ. When it talks about the church, it talks about us being His children. Behold what manner of love it is to be called a child of God. 
That's the love of God. Sometimes when you ask a little child, how much do you love me? Sometimes they say, oh, I love you this much. Come on, you love me a little more than that. I love you this much. And when you ask Christ how much he loves you, his arms are outstretched, aren't they? And even though his arms outstretched is a finite thing, we can see that. But it represents the infinite love that he has for all of us. And it's within his outstretched hands, his outstretched love, where we find real love. Do you know that love this morning? The Bible says we begin in faith. We begin in faith in what Christ has done for us. That he came to this earth to teach us, to tell us who he is, to reveal himself, to reveal that love that we need so dearly. And because of his love, because of his righteousness, because of his goodness, we turn from that which hurts us. We turn from sin. We turn to his love and we repent of those sins. We confess Jesus as Lord. And we're baptized, immersed into his body, the church. And we begin that walk of love with one another. Or maybe you're a Christian this morning and you desire encouragement, healing, or a blessing. We want to stand with you. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.